Hello everyone, and this is episode 3 of the Acer Podcast. My name is Zach, and soon I'll be alongside my co-host Anna Case. And this week we are talking about some working definitions of some words that people might throw at you when you bring up Revelation. The other thing we'll talk about is an Eastern versus Western view of different things that have to deal with Revelation. And lastly, we'll talk about some Old Testament parallelism and connectiveness with Revelation. We'll be talking about all that and more in this episode. Welcome to episode three of Rescuing Revelation, and here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to episode three of season two of the Azar podcast. Uh, this is Anna with my co-host Zach. Hello, everyone. How are Hi, you, Anna. Zach? Good, good. It is uh, late Sunday. Uh, a lot of schools are shutting down tomorrow because of the snow and ice here. So it is chilly. <laughs> oh, this is my perfect, my ideal weather. I was saying at church this morning how um, I've been talking to God recently about uh uh, when we get to heaven, can we all just be individually climate controlled? Like, <laughs> it's like it's like that car that has like the climate control for like the seats and for like, each passenger. Yeah, so like yeah. we can be standing right next to each other. And if you prefer eighty degree tropical weather, <laughs> you can have it, and I will be over here in my little blizzard. That's so good. That's so good. But. Anna, how are you doing? How are you? What's what's new? I am good. Um, not a whole lot going on. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before on the podcast, but I lead a book club at my church, and we are going through Be the Bridge right now. And so we have, we're almost halfway through it, and we have our meeting this week, and I'm super excited for that. Um, that's been going really well, so. Other than that, not a lot. I just got to be a part of a book club with you recently uh, on this past Friday uh, with the book Half the Church, which was so cool to be a part of that with you. I was so glad you got to come. I don't think we've recommended that book this season, but... um, (laughs) Just once again, name dropping it. (laughs) Everyone, uh, if you haven't read anything by Custis James, uh, um, I'm yeah. still working my way through her other books. Haven't gotten there yet, but um, that's a great one to start with. Yes. Um, Anna, we're talking about Revelation, rescuing Revelation. <laughs> yes, we are. What a fun title. Uh, last week, we kind of talked about author, audience, and, and context. We kind of gave, gave like a really good overview of it. We didn't go into too much depth, um, but it was more or less learning uh, that there is a writer, there is a receiver, and there was a time period, right? Right. Um, and throughout these next couple episodes, we're going to go a little deeper actually into the letter itself and talk about the contents of it. Um, but uh, this episode, we thought we could break it up into um, a- another blanket uh, episode that can kind of continue to create the framework of what we're going to talk about. Um, so Anna, what are we talking about today? 
<laughs> All right. So today we're kind of going to just break down some terminology, things that um, kind of get confusing um, when we talk about revelation. You may have heard some of the ideas before, but not necessarily know the along with them, but because each of these terms has a fundamental it plays a fundamental role in how you form your eschatology or your end times theology so we're just gonna flesh out those terms and give a working definition so when you do any of these things going forward you will have a good understanding of what we mean so we are going to start there yeah. Um, and then we are going to kind of move into a discussion of um, Eastern and Western thought, kind of the difference, the yeah. um, them-centered versus me-centered mentality and um, how that can affect our interpretation of the text. And then finally, we are going to conclude with some Old Testament parallelism. Yeah, that sounds great. We're going to kind of divvy this up with 10-minute segments to, so we don't get lost in our own words. Because, I mean, Anna and I could talk forever uh, if you put us in a in a setting to do so. So, um, Anna, some helpful terms. Uh, because I think so often when we find ourselves in Christian settings, um, we can hear terms thrown around, but we don't know what they particularly mean. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that uh, back when you were a baby Christian or, or whatever, like just oh, these the random time. Even today, I still, <laughs> I still yeah. uh, find myself with that struggle. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it, it, it it's um, not helpful uh, to um, maybe throw terms around when maybe someone in the room might not know what it means. Mm -hmm. um, so when uh, recently uh, in, in church, so I'm a lead pastor at a church. Um, what I have realized is uh, a prayer that we pray um, uh, during our offering time is the doxology prayer, uh, which is praise, you know, God from whom all blessings flow. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, that song. And I realized that not everyone knew what a doxology was or why we did it um, or the words to it. I, I think, you know, I just assumed. I actually don't think I know what a doxology <laughs> is. I hear all the time. Yeah. But now that you say it, I'm not yeah. your definition of doxology. So, you know, a doxology is a part of um, a liturgical practice where um, it's, a, it's a vow of praise um, over a special time you know, in service. So um, the doxology that we sing during offering time uh, uh, is that uh, famous hymn. Um, I sung it actually when I was in preschool and then didn't really hear it until I became a lead pastor and a brother in church. Um, they sing it during offering. So um, one person who came to church did not know the words to it. Um, but of course, everyone else did. So I realized that we need to actually teach about this and talk about it. So I would put the lyrics on the screen, talk about the lines of it. Uh, because again, throwing terminology out and assuming everyone knows what it is, is not helpful. <laughs> it is not. And I think a lot of times within theological circles, we get caught in the um, 
I don't know. We like to throw out terms just for the sake of throwing out terms. And then that can be more of a hindrance to someone's spiritual growth than actually um, for their edification. Um, So we want to be, when we use these terms, we want to make sure that we're not um, just trying to (laughs) sound um, smart or important, but that we're actually using them because they're helpful to know and that they're... um, going to be useful and beneficial in these discussions of eschatology um, discussion of revelation so uh, eschatology uh, just means the study of the end times or uh, study of uh, um, life after death Um, typically when we talk about eschatology we're going to hear passages from Ezekiel passages from Isaiah passages from Daniel, and, and of course, passages from Revelation. And, and one term, Anna, that is uh, thrown around a lot, and people find themselves in different camps, is the word uh, millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that has theological baggage with it, but it's also like a word that we can read any other time. Millennium mean, just means a thousand years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a term that appears uh, in a form of debate because of uh, 10 verses <laughs> in Revelation <laughs> chapter 20. So uh, typically uh, people would say there's three camps you can find yourself in. Some say there's four uh, because they would say that there's dispensational premillennial and there is historical premillennial, but just for the sake of uh, talking about like definitions, we're just going to go with the three today, if that's okay. Uh-huh. Um, so let's, let's just talk about them. Uh, so the first one uh, being uh, premillennial, which means that uh, Jesus will return uh, to earth and uh, he will do so before the a thousand year reign uh, and rule, right? So he will return and there will be this a thousand year period of Jesus here on earth. Uh, and that's before the recreation. Okay, so that's pre-millennial. Then you have a millennial, which a just means not or none, which just means that the millennium idea is more of a literary uh, word that is not literal. Um so that a millennial will take it as a non-literal uh, idea, and then post-millennial will say says Jesus comes after the millennium, and that means that the church is ushering things closer to the return of Christ, um, and it's that a thousand-year period until Christ comes. So, just think: post means after, pre means before, and a means not or none. Um, so just using our Greek and Latin roots and suffixes, you know, uh, 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 so stuff like that, um, we can understand what those terms mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Anna, something you and I have been talking about is just broken relationships over these 10 verses mm. with eschatology. Yeah. Um, and I know at the heart of you and I, uh, we are always like, man, is, wouldn't it be great if we could share 
of why we have these certain convictions rather than why these certain convictions should cause us to destroy friendships and relationships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially seeing all the debates on Facebook. Like I love that when we talk, we have um, really thoughtful and thought provoking discussions. And I think that that should be the goal, but um, especially when you get into the online forums and, we even had real life conversations where it just turns into an actual fight and it's almost like talking about politics with someone right? bickering. And I don't think that John's uh, purpose in writing Revelation was to get people fighting over what he meant. Um, and so it's really, right. it's, it, it's really hard and disheartening to see, um, that take place yeah and and what's what's crazy is here are 10 verses right mm-hmm. and um they're very um amazing 10 verses i mean uh it talks about the comfort of uh people who have been martyred um being uh vindicated with uh the goodness of 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 jesus that he cares that someone was faithful to him even in times of trial and tribulation. Um, so there's a deep beauty to these 10 verses. Uh, but again, I, so if you just do a quick Google search and open a blog or a forum and you go down to the comment sections, oh boy, <laughs> it, it, it gets uh, pretty nasty uh, in those comment sections. Um, but um, I often think like, um, so here, here we're just giving some definitions, some ideas of what these, you know, words mean. Um, and, uh, but what we don't want to do is, uh, is just pigeonhole someone into saying like, this is exactly what you have to believe, mm-hmm. uh, based on our interpretation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's crazy to think like how dividing, Uh, the interpretation and the hermeneutic of someone uh, who has uh, a view of this revelation 21 through 10 uh, can really be dividing in, in uh, different circles. So um, that's the first uh, kind of like thing that you might hear when, when you mention revelation, someone might ask, Hey, are you pre-mill post-mill a mill? And you might be like, what are you talking about? I like, I just ate some, you know, post mill cereal this morning. <laughs> um, so I don't know what you're talking about, sir, but that, that is just kind of a blanket uh, definition because you, you might hear it uh, come up when discussing revelation. Now, Anna, the next definition we have to talk about, and it's a very important one mm-hmm. is the word apocalypse. Yes. And, uh, we're going to get right into the word apocalypse right when we come back. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, after our quick little interlude, we'll talk about the word apocalypse. So stay right here on the Azer podcast. All right, Anna, apocalypse, so much baggage with this word. (laughs) So when you've baggage when you've heard the word apocalypse what has been like the first thing you've thought of when when that word appears um the walking dead yes 
very dystopian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Hunger Games, Divergent, um, anything. Um, yeah, as you said, dystopian and um, end of the world, but not really end of the world. End of civilization, I guess. Yeah, just um, like the the song in uh, Chicken Little, it's the end of the world as we know it. Um, if Station Eleven, uh, fortunately, uh, COVID nineteen has not come to that. But um, <laughs> that's another. <laughs> I have that um, book on image. my shelf. So. I read that in Poplet actually, and I remember I was thinking about this a few months ago. Like I remember when I was reading it, thinking, "Wow, it's a good thing we'll never have to worry about that. Like we're never going to have a pandemic ever." And <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was wrong about that. Um, but fortunately, it did not come to us uh, um, scrounging for food and uh, right. everyone we know and love dying so far. So yeah. anyway, uh, things like that kind of come to mind when thinking of apocalypse. Yeah, um, there's a, <laughs> I mean, a literal character in the Marvel universe in the x-men and his name is apocalypse and um if you've ever have seen the movie uh x-men the last x-men movie before dark phoenix that was made was called x-men apocalypse and it was all about you know this character getting his four horsemen and you know using the motifs of revelation to create something that is very far from being biblical right Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the word apocalypse is a very important word, um, and it comes to us from the Greek, uh, which is the word apocalypsis. Fun word to say, right? Apocalypsis. Um, yeah, and it's spelled A-P-O-K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S, apocalypsis. And the Greek definition of it is actually very different from the English definition. The Greek definition is an uncovering or an unveiling or simply a revelation. Isn't that funny that that's what we're (laughs) reading? (laughs) So another title, working title that you could give uh, revelation is the apocalypse. Oh. Yeah, 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 it's great. So uh, in English, we get an unfortunate definition change. So if you open up typically like a Merriam-Webster dictionary, uh, you will find that it's like the utter destruction of the world. And I'm like, whoa, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it gets it gets muddled uh, through definitions. So, all right, what is an apocalypse? Like what we said, it's, a, it's an uncovering or an unveiling. And uh, um, who can have apocalypses? Anna, anyone can. <laughs> And there's a lot of people in the Bible who had them. So rather than uh, uh, just talking about it more, let's just talk about a biblical example. Let's use Paul as our uh, person. Uh, So Paul uh, went by his uh, uh, original uh, Jewish name, which was Saul, right? Mm -hmm. And Saul was uh, ever so present in um, the murder of different Christians, uh, he was present at Stephen's stoning in in Acts. Uh, so when Stephen was stoned, it says there was a man named Saul who was present. Uh, and then we read about this trip that Saul takes on the road to Damascus, right? 
And all of a sudden, the glory of God uh, through Jesus is shown to, to Saul. And all of a sudden, Saul is radically changed um, in this journey, right? It's, it's almost like uh, he had an apocalypse because he did. <laughs> or you could say that God apocalypsed him. Very much so. Yes. So that actually leads me into a question is, do we cause apocalypses or does God cause an apocalypse to us? Um, And the answer is we have epiphanies. We have things that we realize or things that are revealed to us, but the Holy Spirit is apocalypsing things before us. Um, And and something I have here in, in my notes is that, um, Apocalypses are often accompanied by wisdom because what God does is he gives us new eyes for the things around us. Um, So Anna, I gave this visual example, and I think this has really helped people understand the idea of apocalypse is um, I don't know if you've ever seen an old movie where they have like the silver tray stuff on a table but they have like a tablecloth over it Mm -hmm. so you can't see the food um and it's not that food is not there on the table it's just you cannot see the food correct okay so the the tablecloth is over the food and all of a sudden someone pulls the tablecloth off and what is present before you you can see the food right Mm -hmm. so it took someone pulling the cloth out but the food was always there. Does that make sense? So they're apocalypsing the food. Correct. So when Paul was apocalypsed, Christians were being persecuted all around Paul, actually by a lot of Paul's colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that all of a sudden Paul is apocalypsed and things changed around him. It was that Paul's perception of the things around him has changed. Do we see that? Yes. So that's the thing is, is there can be these large scale apocalypses that we read in scripture, like Paul having these, this blinders, you know, taken off, but there can also be these other apocalypses where they're um, potentially uh, we start to notice things in our community, in our home. Um, And it's like these little light bulbs going off and and God's pulling things away, letting us discern and revealing to us uh, things around us. Um, So, uh, for example, we might not be aware of different uh, poverty in our communities, but all of a sudden God can reveal to us, uh, you know, wow, uh, I suddenly have a heart to do ministry right here. Um, and it's because God has apocalypsed that to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So what is that? Um, so what is the um, that meaning of apocalypse? What does that mean for how we read Correct. Revelation? Yeah. So if we understand that Revelation is one big apocalypse, right? Um, and that John has an audience. John is writing the apocalypse of Jesus so that through the Holy Spirit, it can impact these receivers, that these uh, uh, different Christians in these different churches who are all in occupied Roman cities uh, are able to see with new eyes around them. 
Uh, last week we talked about allegiances, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it will apocalypse to them. Wow, my allegiance has been to my uh, city-state or has been to my uh, who's been to Rome. But now, because of this apocalypse, I see that my action should change to helping my neighbor and to exalting Jesus in my area and making sure he is the one I am worshiping. Do we see how it just changes the outlook of the community for a person? Mm -hmm. So in these images that we read in Revelation, uh, we can read them in the interpretive sight of how does this encourage an apocalypse to happen to a receiver of this letter? Um, And what we can see is a lot of these images uh, help with the cultural context of where these churches are located. So um, John is sharing the apocalypse of Jesus so that potentially these receivers can experience an apocalypse in their contexts. So that's why it matters. So um, I'm going to ask a potentially controversial follow-up question. Yeah. Um, but if an apocalypse is does not mean the end of the world does that change how we view revelation as an end times book i think and and we'll talk about this in a future episode it reorients our thought process of revelation being a story of recreation uh this idea that the heavens and the earth are coming back together because in genesis we read about this wonderful place called Eden where the heavens and the earth were one. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Adam and Eve are exiled. And there's this story of how God is recreating the Eden uh, ideal uh, through his recreation, through the narrative that we can read in Revelation. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the beauty of seeing this rather as, um, you know, once the church is being apocalypse, that there is this um, beautiful uh, wedding ceremony that takes place um, where it's this recreation of the heavens and the earth coming back together. Uh, So um, I think that's what it can tell us with this new working definition of the word apocalypse. So um, and maybe I, not. And I think it's helpful. So maybe not the end of the world, but the recreation of the world. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm, but it's creating a new. Says. Correct. Gotcha. Yep. And, and I think that's the beautiful part of it is um, we don't have to be scared of it. Uh, rather we can celebrate that that is going to happen. But what it does cause us to do is to see the work that is in front of us right now. Um, You know, we always hear, I I think when things start going bad, we'll have people say, Oh, the end times are starting now, Mm -hmm. but the end times has been here for a long time. Um, Something we have been talking about, Anna, in the last couple of days is just the idea that John used the word the final hour in his pastoral letters in mm-hmm. first, second, and third John. Um, that final hour is talking about how do we change the attitudes and actions right now for the return of Jesus Christ in this recreation. Um, and, and I think that's the thing is it, uh, 
throughout um, history and stuff, we want to restructure um, our, our love and our humility and our humbleness to reflect that of, of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not one event is, is just the, the end times and, Oh, it, you know, it's um, it's, we're in the middle of it right now, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I, I, and that's the thing is, is we want to see glimpses of that recreation during our work. Uh, so seeing, diverse people come together and worship is an image of the multitude and things like that. We can see glimpses of the goodness of recreation now. Yeah. So good stuff, Anna, Yeah. Uh, on just the word apocalypse. I'm sure it will come up in future conversations, but I think uh, uh, the next thing to talk about, because we kind of touched on it here is just a thought process. How do we reorient our thought process of thinking through this more Eastern um, idea of apocalypse? Because we have this working Western definition that's like, the, oh, it's the decimation, the, the destruction of the world. And the Eastern is just like, oh, it's this revealing, mm-hmm. uncovering yeah. of our perception of the things around us. So let's talk about that uh, once we return uh, here on the Azer podcast. So we're going to take a short break and then we'll join back with you listeners. Talk to you soon. Anna, dreams <laughs> can be uh, uh, a very trippy time. Uh, you know, I've had the wild dreams where I'm like running in my underwear down my college campus. <laughs> Some weird things. But uh, dreams in the Bible were taken very seriously. There's a ton of dreams that are accounted for in the, in the Bible. Think about uh, Joseph. And his brothers, right? Oh, and, yeah. Um, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Elijah. Just like all these people are having dreams that are <laughs> being accounted for. Uh, <laughs> but um, often in Western culture, we just, uh, we just think of dreams being a very funny thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, there's no... Uh, uh, Bible verses that are like um, Ezekiel went running out in a small tunic or something like that. But um, what we do find it, like I said, are very serious uh, dreams and interpretations of dreams. Um, and something that we have to recognize is just the culture of dreams in an Eastern versus Western culture. Um, this was something that was brought to my attention by Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, and something I've never thought about was the idea of what does this dream say about me, which is a very Western idea, versus what does this dream about the interpretation of things around me, or what does this vision or this uh, thing that has been revealed to me say about the world and what's happening around me. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, Anna. There's been so many times I've had a dream and I'm like, I wonder what this means. I wonder what this says about me. Um, I might not say that to someone, but I think about it. I don't know if you've ever been at that place. Um, Maybe 
a couple of times. I can't, nothing super memorable that I can think of at the top, off the top of my head, but um, I definitely have um, some really weird ones and interesting ones. And then there are other times when I wake up from a nightmare or something and I'm like, oh gosh, right. I hope that didn't mean anything. Right, right. Like you fail to turn in your college paper uh, and the professor calls you and says, you're getting an F. Or uh, I get murdered. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, or, or something please, way please more extreme than a foreshadowing <laughs> of any future right. event. But um, like I said, dreams were really important in Eastern culture. And it typically talked about, like, how do I see the world around me? Uh, so we have um, uh, Daniel who interprets dreams. Um, and we have an apocalypse. And, um, and we also have more of a prophetic word from John in Revelation. So um, what... <laughs> we shouldn't do with those or is to say what does this say about me but if we look at daniel he's saying what does this dream say about babylon what does it say about the king in which i am interpreting it for um so when he's interpreting dreams it's all about perspective of the context in the world around the dreamer isn't that really cool how it's so different from a western view of dreams yeah i really like that i think that um western culture um america specifically is very me oriented Mm. um we saw this at the beginning of the pandemic when people were buying out all the toilet paper and buying up all the food and um it's very (laughs) We definitely like to about ourselves and the world in relation to ourselves, especially Correct. when when it comes to the Bible. We tend to read um, a passage and think, okay, how can I apply this to my life? What does this tell me about me? Which not only is grossly irresponsible but it uh, (laughs) really misses the point right right like oh how am i david and i'm slaying goliath one of my favorite pastors matt chandler always would scream you are not david um (laughs) rather you know we we look at that story and we say like yeah outside of god being with david like david could not do that (laughs) right so um things like that so yeah it's a very me oriented culture around us uh you brought up the pandemic uh a lot of the first questions that people didn't race to were who are the most vulnerable during this time and how can we support and help them oh maybe uh the elderly can't get out of their house maybe i'll go bring them toilet paper right um there's a disconnect uh with um that and and what we see in scripture is a lot of the times um commandments being centered around how do we help or support the other person who's around us so jesus said love thy neighbor right so we see an essence of dream interpretations and apocalypse interpretations to uh 
go to the benefit of the person who is our neighbor or someone who is around us um, because there is this deep care about how does this change my perspective of the world around me um, and how do I help and support people around me? Um, so it's just a, a new way, ooh, excuse me, a new way to think uh, with apocalypses and dreams um, especially in terms of apocalyptic literature. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, no biblical characters running around in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't that be funny? Um, oh, so yeah, that's just the idea of Eastern versus Western culture uh, with dreams. We just kind of briefly wanted to talk about that because again, that's just more foundational work in building up a foundation of, okay, how do I start to get into this text? Um, and we just wanted to bring that up. But Anna, let's take another just quick, small break. And then in this last segment, let's talk about Old Testament parallelism, just kind of touch on it, talk about what are some other apocalyptic texts that we can use to kind of start building upon how to read and interpret Revelation. And then uh, we'll close out of this episode um, and then until next week. So let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Azer podcast. Stay tuned. So Anna, the Bible is full of many stories and many accounts um the old testament has a lot and the new testament has a good good many and um everything connects i think there was an image that you shared on facebook a while ago that showed like all the connections between the bible by showing like these uh the hyperlinks yeah the hyperlinks and there was just so many and it looked like a really cool rainbow kind of yes. thing yes yeah yeah And it's a really helpful image to kind of show that like the Bible itself is just full of so many hyperlinks and uh, good things uh, connecting, you know, different points of the Bible. So uh, Revelation has a ton of connections to the Old Testament. Uh, On our first episode, we talked about how Isaiah is the the most uh, connected book to Revelation. Uh, But one of the other very connected books to Revelation is the book of Daniel, uh, which we'll get into uh, a deeper uh, talk about in a future episode, use Daniel uh, in future episodes. But the main thing is, is comparing Babylon to Rome. These are the two cities or uh, nations uh, that are very comparable to the point that John would actually uh, identify uh, Rome as simultaneously Babylon in Revelation. So sometimes you'll just be reading and you're like, oh, he used the word Babylon. That's because he's trying to make us think back to Daniel and Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego in Babylon um, and how that apocalypse affected these believers. Isn't right. that really and, cool? Yeah. And um, a point about Babylon is this is touched on a lot in um, the Bible Project um, and also 
the Bema podcast touches on this a lot, but um, the tension throughout the whole Bible between and empire. Hmm. I don't remember if you and I had talked about that on here at all or not, but, um, uh, you know, the, the, the desire and the struggle of um, trying to achieve and maintain the shalom of God's kingdom, but there's this an uh, empire that you um, you know take over and kind of be the domin the domineering force in um, society and often in the Bible that is uh, empire is represented by Babylon um, in Rome yeah. sometimes too, but Babylon um, typically is the prominent representation of empire so not only is it a um a um place um in a in a country like a real tangible place but um oftentimes when it appears in the bible it is actually um metaphorical and representing something a lot bigger and um, yeah. deeper and is trying to get us to um, really, really challenge ourselves and to think mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I think, Anna, you bring up uh, a wonderful point with that. Uh, when we read Revelation and we're talking about the more metaphoric side of Shalom versus Babylon, it's this idea of are we going to compromise Shalom for this empire nationalism worship, right? This, this mm-hmm. worship that uh, these nations are demanding from its subjects. Or are we going to subvert that culture and say, while we do live here, our allegiance is to Jesus. And because our allegiance is to Jesus, my actions my thoughts, my words might look a little countercultural to the predominant uh, uh, empire that is afoot. Okay. Um, and yeah. Throughout the Bible, we see this in the creation story and just over and over and over again in the Bible. Um, God wanting to partner with humanity um, and one of the ways in which he wants to partner with humanity is partnering with us to bring shalom and so um, right. it kind of begs the question are you going to um, take up on this offer are you going to God and bringing shalom and ushering in this um, new kingdom um, and bringing this new this new creation here on earth or are you going to uh, be complacent and um, compromise with this um, Babylonian empire right right and we see pieces of the Babylonian metaphor around us right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different leaders telling us that we need allegiance to them. Uh, And they almost become like 
in 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 style of worship the 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 messiah figure um and this is prominent in the revelation narrative in the daniel narrative but um you might be sitting here saying like, wow, I, I'm seeing pieces of this in the world around me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because um, when we read the scriptures, we're reading about uh, the message of, of Jesus, of God uh, saying, how do I act and how do I think and how do I treat people when I'm noticing this around me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so Daniel and his friends subvert the culture uh, John is sending this letter to these seven churches and saying, like, yeah, we know what you're going through. Uh, here's a few. Here's the future. But also here's how to act in your current circumstances. Uh, I think that's where we as interpreters can really get a lot out of, like, how can this impact us uh, in a practical sense when reading these apocalyptic uh, texts? Um, is is how do we love better and how do we worship Jesus and rid ourselves of idols, um, especially when they are trying to be imposed by the domineering um, power of, of uh, a nation, a state or whatever uh, into our life. So um, subvert the culture, which mm-hmm. means you can you can you can be in it, but you subvert it by continuing to worship Jesus. In it, but not of it. Correct. Correct. It doesn't mean you have to move. It just means that um, you want to terraform. That's a word a pastor has used with me before is like, how can you terraform? Which just means uh, uh, change the environment around you, which is a really good word. Uh, how can you I like terraform? That word. Yeah. You hear it a lot with ge- uh, geography and geology. So um, how can you be a Christian and terraform the culture around you. I like it. Yeah, definitely. But Anna, we said a lot in this episode, just with definitions and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are going to be thinking about things that we said, and I'm sure questions are going to come up. So as we close out of here, do you want to give that our listeners uh, our Instagram to reach us and our email? So if they have any questions, concerns whatsoever, they can reach so, um, yeah, I actually is brought to my attention uh, today that uh, people have been trying to contact us via email and <laughs> um, the email account became unlinked to my Gmail app. So I hadn't gotten any notifications, but I promise I'm going to get that fixed this week and drop the ball in the newsletter again. I am so sorry. Um, it's okay. We're all I'm, really busy. Try- <laughs> I am trying to get myself together, guys. I really am <laughs> one of these days. But no, um, if you do want to send us an email um, with any comments, questions, um, resources, uh, if you've come across something, uh, that you think that we would like or you want us to see, feel free to send those as well. Um, it's the, is it, do we have a the in our email? I think it's just Azer podcast. It is. It Azer? For, for email, it's just Azer podcast. Um, and yep. then for, uh, Instagram, it has the, the in front of it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
email is azarpodcast at gmail.com and then our Instagram handle is azarpodcast the azarpodcast the, don't yep. listen to me it's <laughs> it's late and I'm tired and I'm really sorry um, but yeah feel free to reach out to us on any of those platforms we'd be happy to hear from you uh, keep in mind we'll be doing a Q&A at the end of this um season so if you have any questions feel free to send those you will be compiling those um to share at the end for sure um i just want to thank all of you listeners for sticking around with us through this episode uh we just thank you for constantly listening uh we always check our analytics just to see you know if our if people are listening and uh, it's awesome to actually see this just numbers go up throughout the week. Um, so we know people are uh, wrestling with our content, which is so, so refreshing for Anna and I. That helps us get excited and energized to uh, record these episodes. So thank you, the listeners. You're awesome. Um, but again, Anna, uh, from Anna and I both, we just want to thank you again and um, reach out to us if you you need anything or want to just chat um so anna thank you for chatting about uh revelation with me this evening yeah thank you for all of your insight and it's always a pleasure i always learn something new in our discussions and to all of our listeners we hope you enjoyed it this week and we will be praying for all of you as the week goes on and we hope you stay safe and have a great week Have a good one, guys, and we'll find you here next week. See ya. We just once again want to thank each and every one of you for listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Azer Podcast in our Rescuing Revelation series. Again, we just want to encourage you, connect with us on our Instagram and also on our email. And uh, we hope that you come back next week to hear episode four of the Azer podcast. Again, my name is Zach. And uh, from Anna and I both, we just want to thank you for listening uh, to us. And we hope you have a blessed week. Have an awesome week, y'all. And remember, keep being an Azer because we're all called to put on the armor of God. See y'all.